Interview with the Podcast Vampire is a retrospective on the filmography of living legend Tom Cruise. Hosted by Dale underscore A, Jonesy Loves Beer, and Slim. Two thousand one, Tom Cruise, Cameron Crowe, they're back Jesus. again. Vanilla Sky. I mean, after this, after this second movie, Tom has got to be like, "You're my guy, Cameron. We're 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 taking this to another level. We're going to find another gear in the Cameron Crowe Tom Cruise uh, relationship, right?" Penelope Cruz. Coincidence? I think not. You kidding me right now? The amount of love on this set when they filmed this movie has got to be off the charts. American science fiction psychological thriller. The first of its kind. (laughs) The last of its kind. (laughs) Oh, my God. Right before we were hit and record, you know, we're we're back in the saddle again. Mm. I mean, it's not too long ago the last episode was recorded. Right before this episode, there was, Jonesy was trying to rail me. He was trying to railroad me. Because of another podcast that has recently launched. I'm not even going to say its name. I'll say it. Much more popular show than I'm ours. 70 mm. You know, Slim, I've been thinking long hard about this. We lost you. We get it. it you're gone. You're dead to us. But I, I thought of two podcasts that could possibly win you back to the original PK2. You know, mm. we, we're calling ourselves the artist formerly known as the PK2. I realize, you know, yeah. we're no longer in vogue. So option number one. Apex Legends, B-L-E-H. The three of us talk about Apex, and Dale doesn't really care. That's where the bleh comes in. <laughs> I thought that we could really have a right. hit with that. I could see pre-vising, workshopping. This. I can see a lot of brainstorming has gone yeah. into this so far. I'm, I'm interested. Second podcast, not as workshopped. Say hello to my better calf. A podcast where you just tell us about your calf exercises for about 22 God. solid minutes. Jonesy, do you think this could win the audiences back? Do you think this could do it? I, I think we might get one download, and that's when I accidentally download this episode to Spotify instead of streaming uh, it. It's sick that you would turn your back on Podcast Vampire so quickly. The magic that we have when we record this show, it's as if it never took place. It's gone already. It's up in a puff of smoke. Like, we like can't. That. Mind. Years. We can't quit until we get to the last samurai. Let me guess. That's next. Let me guess. And then it's all done like... after that. Confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> I love how I kicked up another podcast and Jonesy immediately went to think that it's over mode. It's finished. <laughs> Everything's over. <laughs> now, right. now, Matthew, you've known me for now 20... 20- <laughs> 30 years, 20, 20, 40 years, 21 years, 21 years, yeah. uh, just a, just a quick spin, 21 spins around the sun. Would you expect any less? I wouldn't expect any less. See, there you go. Same true was, to form. Matt was probably prepped for it. Slim was prepped. <laughs> oh yeah. He was doing the, uh, the, the uh, part of blood sport where he's got his hand wraps on and he's punching glass to get that glass into the raft. This, this is like, to me, I'm Tom Cruise waking up in some kind of uh, technical support error where my dream turns into a nightmare. Dreams going wrong. I'm, I'm yelling like, for tech support. I'm like uh, Jason Lee, who's secretly been in love with your other podcast this entire time. Jason There's, Lee wearing those baggy-ass bell-bottom pants that he was wearing all through Vanilla Sky. Here's a, so, uh, here's a uh, quick little something that they might touch upon in, the, in Slim's other podcast. In no part of uh, Bloodsport did... Uh, Van Damme punch glass. Was that kickboxer then? <laughs> Did you just fact check me on the air? Shut it down. That was the fastest live fact shut check. The, shut the, the servers down. About in I'm pointing right now to the server. Shut them all down. <laughs> fact check on my heart. Shut them down. Cut the stream. Vanilla Sky. We're back in the saddle. 2001. God. Do you believe, Dale? Where were you 2001, Vanilla Sky, when that came out? I, I can... T- I can... F- f- look... Full on time, I can confess that I wasn't going to the movies to see Vanilla Sky, because this is the first time I've ever seen Vanilla Sky. Oh my, what? Can you believe, uh, yeah? Do you believe? 
God. Uh, I don't know what I was doing in 2001. Honestly, World of Warcraft had not come out yet, so I hadn't completely lost myself to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in a way that you know irrevocably changed my twenties, um, so it was. But it was not seeing Vanilla Sky. In all fairness, uh, we probably just got the Regal Theater in my lo- in my hometown at that point. I mean, we were long without theaters, and yeah, um, yeah two thousand one. I can remember the, the you know the previews for it and stuff like that. But it's just something I never got to go see. So you know, lucky me. It's like seeing a new Cameron Crowe movie, because that's exactly what this was, but the feelings that From you get, head. yeah, the feeling that you get when you see a new Cameron Crowe movie, I, I think from, um, oh, what do we just watch? Cameron Crowe movie, Tom Cruise is in it. Oh, gosh. Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire. I mean, just the, the feelings that you get. We're going to get into that those feelings. Well, let's let's dive deep, Jonesy. What is Vanilla Sky for those that have never seen this film? So, Vanilla Sky is a movie where Tom drives a Porsche. I'm sorry, Ferrari. Fact check me, Dale. A GT two fifty in the opening scene, and then drives a sixty eight Mustang fastback GT three ninety top loader for the rest of the movie. Other things happen, I'm sure, but those cars are definitely in this film. So. The movie is about Tom, who plays a a rich bachelor, uh, the heir to a magazine empire, uh, who kind of, I, do we want to call him the traditional playboy? I mean, he mm. blows off the board that he calls the seven dwarves. He has uh, several nefarious romantic uh, relationships, one of which is with Cameron Diaz, who turns out to be a... Uh, the forbidden fruit of the film. And uh, Tom basically has a big birthday party and he meets uh, Penelope Cruz through his best friend, Jason Lee. And he has a magical night with her. You know, it cures the cynic within him. Maybe he really is capable of true deep love. This woman's changed the life for him. He leaves the next morning. He goes to get into that beautiful Black, uh, not Highland Green, not Presidential Blue, but that double gloss black Ford color with that GT390 badge on it. Such a beautiful car. <laughs> um, and who pulls up but uh, Cameron Diaz? You know, trying to be, uh, you know, the F buddy, uh, serious, not serious uh, girlfriend. And um, there's a moment where Tom is about to not get in that car. And we would have been watching a different movie. But he gets in the car. Cameron Diaz blows her stack, drives him off of a bridge, and he is permanently disfigured. His face is wrecked. And uh, the movie suddenly becomes him trying to come to grips with losing everything. His looks, probably his most important feature in his own mind. And... uh, uh, do I do I go full spoiler mode here with the rest? Go full, go deep, full so, deep. So, reach the, ne- the second and third act of this movie is a trick. It's not real. It's a, that's Tom, a, it's the E influence. Oh, uh, <laughs> Tom, accused of murder, accused of Penelope's murder, must retell the story of uh, his accident and his subsequent life to a. Like a vision, Kurt Russell just looks fantastic in this movie. And uh, at the end of the the second or third act, you realize that Tom isn't going insane. Uh, There have been breadcrumbs this whole time that Tom has donated his body to a, a company called Life Extension, Extenders, whichever. And he has been frozen like Walt Disney in a block of ice. And uh, he's in a lucid dream that goes wrong. And he has the option to uh, continue dreaming f- forever or to go back and live a real life. And he chooses to do just that. And I just, my hope of hope is that Mint 68 Mustang Fastback GT390 top loader has mm. been in some kind of storage compartment for him, mm. untouched by time. And and ha- lovingly restored, maybe by a family mechanic, 
we see off screen yeah. and, and his yeah. descendants in my mind are also fabulous mechanics these old right. you know they probably have some kind of crystallic fusion engines in uh mm-hmm. in 2150 whatever time we're at but uh god i just hope that car's okay some say that Vanilla that was Sky. the uh, the fifth man of that cast <laughs> absolutely Cameron Crowe said that in numerous interviews mm-hmm. since. Uh, Dale, what did you think of an all sky? Your first feeling? I, I don't, don't hold back. Don't hold back. You know, you know, this is a safe space. I get total safe space. I get chills, but the the it's way the, the words I'm about to, uh, you know, spill from this maw of mine <laughs> to describe Villanelle Sky. I don't know what um, I don't know what the trailer looked like to this butte, but. I completely fell in love with Vanilla Sky during oh. this movie, uh, and I'll and I'll tell you, I, I specifically the whole thing, you know, is kind of one of those movies for a while. It started teetering on where exactly are we going with this, and I think you you will definitely agree that it was starting to be like a you know like a thinking man's kind of movie, trying to kind of exactly place what was happening and what was real and what was not real. But, but what I really loved about it is by the end, whether you want to believe the end or not, it, it, it was almost like a, a concrete sci-fi movie, but still was open-ended and, and let you draw your own conclusions because there was enough, there was probably exactly enough explanation at the end of the movie to make you just be completely satisfied with the ending. I had no idea that there were any sci-fi elements to this movie until mm. tech support, the tech support moment. It was, yeah. it was crazy because I just felt so satisfied with the explanation, but also the, the way it could still be left to your own interpretations at any point, you know, I read some theories after on where exactly uh, the movie could have veered off and if any part of the movie was ever real to begin with. But, man, I got to tell you, this is an all-timer. This is an absolute oh. all-timer. And I honestly didn't even know Cameron Crowe directed this movie, but during the the the, the viewing, I just felt like... It had that vibe, even though it was a you know a lot more dramatic than the Camera Crow films I was used to. A lot more dramatic, but the uh, you know the soundtrack was worked into it beautifully. And mm-hmm. um, man, you know I, I we're gonna reference the notes that I took, but just an amazing, just an amazing movie. And uh, I've been win- withholding my Letterbox review, God. you know, as <sighs> I didn't want to spoil that we're gonna be recording or anything like that, but. Uh, yeah, I really loved it. I mean, everybody in this uh, movie were com- charming and amazing in their performances. I think Cameron Diaz was nominated for a couple things, which I completely believe because from her opening, when you first meet her in the bed of David's, and she's got like this charm to her, like, obviously everything mm-hmm. is engineered for you to fall in love with every one of these people yeah. when you meet them on screen, but the way she just kind of turned on a dime during that, that car scene. Uh, man, it was yeah. friggin' amazing. And Penelope Cruz was, my God. How can you not fall in love with Penelope Cruz? Marriage material. Movie? That one. Oh my God. And I think your comment about, you didn't realize it was Cameron Crowe kind of, but like the Cameron Crowe scenes in this movie are some of the, you know, the best directed Cameron Crowe stuff. Mm-hmm. Ever. Obviously, he never really hit the heights of kind of sort of after this period, but like that night with Tom and Penelope. Oh, the like first that night? Is absolute movie magic. It, it is the way Tom just sees in his eyes when he first lays eyes on her. Mm-hmm. From that moment on, it's just like they're weaving this invisible line between them like they're just yeah there's these invisible fibers connected to them the entire time they're on screen yeah. together like you're almost like the, there's no way they can two humans can interact like this they just they know what to right. say at every moment which is you know i think somebody watches a cameron crow type movie but you just 
you want to be that type of person who knows exactly what to say in every moment they're presented in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The um, Before, Josie, you give your thoughts. The one thing you talk about the trailer, I remember the trailer like didn't even really reveal anything, even about his disfigurement. So even when you saw the trailer, there was like nothing mm-hmm. about the disfigurement. It was almost kind of like, you know, love story slash conspiracy. And then, because when I first saw it in theaters, I was like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. And I remember, like, honestly, I was, like, standing up and clapping at the end of the movie because I thought it was very audacious for Tom to choose this picture and Cameron yeah. as, you know, the next string in his, like, series of hits. Like, this is a strange piece to choose. It's It was a total... 180 from what you're used to seeing Tom in, but even it, you know his Jerry Maguire role is just totally different than than this. It's just True. so different. Even Magnolia was I don't know was a, a character that he was playing. Yeah, he but, was taking chances, I guess, around this area. You're right. Yeah, but this is just completely man. This was just and apparently, it, or not apparently, it is. It's a remake of a Spanish film which Penelope also starred in. So I can't remember who saw that movie first, but then that's how it snowballed. But Jonesy, please walk us through. So what I love about this film first is behind the scenes. So I think it was, a, and I, I was trying to double check through the trivia, but was it this movie where the public found out that Tom and Nicole had split and they had started an onset romance with Penelope? I, I think it was I this I remember film. that. I think I remember that. That? It was, it did happen during this movie for sure. So that. Like their romance. Uh, coupled with um, like their new love energy is in this film. It's captured on print. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only that, this is the first movie and Tom's step into the world of, listen, I'm going to start doing whatever project I want. And it's going to be a big hit because you got to think all those films before this are safe plays, right? Ensemble cast. Great job. A movie about fighter pilots. Great job. Nothing crazy. Nothing towing the line really into the, the supernatural or the science fiction. And after this, it's anything goes. It's buck wild. Buck wild. So th- this, this movie used to be appreciated as, as Tom's first tow into a deeper world a bigger world i mm-hmm. think vanilla sky mm-hmm. is the open door this movie literally is him jumping off the roof facing his fears and doing whatever project he wants that's just the behind the scenes stuff that i appreciate now mm-hmm. it being almost 20 years later i, yeah, I was just like, thinking i was just thinking during that time uh, uh you know it just all the character moments i i was i was just referring to my notes and i was like audibly agreeing with my notes but uh I, I, I was even still referencing everything up until the car ride, just more Tom Penelope interactions was just like Penelope was so strong and so uh, guarded, but charming with uh, him in the room because she knew she can't be messing around with this playboy if she, you know, mm-hmm. unless she knows what she's getting into. But when, after he leaves the apartment the next morning before he gets in the car with uh, Cameron and she just like totally freaks out. Like, I think you as just a human being have to agree with the way she just sort of like explodes yeah. and like, like she's just like, is this really me? Is this really happening to me? And even, even the music, like obviously the music in the movie is amazing, but even like the guitar riff that he chooses to play at that exact moment. Yeah. Like oh, when they're works. both kind of like glowing. And I, to Jonesy's uh, comment about like behind the scenes stuff on the DVD. Um, well, first of all, the radio head plays on loop on the DVD menu. And I had this, I had Radiohead, um, the song start as my alarm for many years because of this movie, oh, wow. but there's a documentary that Cameron Crowe filmed on like a handy cam as they were filming this movie during the press tour. So like he filmed them going on a press tour and this was like at the height of their relationship, Tom and Penelope. And it is probably the most real footage of Tom outside of like the Scientology stuff that you'll ever see. It's like them going to parties. It's he, him. I think they sh- there's a scene where like he meets like a lot of Penelope's family and she's oh, dancing and then she invites Tom to come dance with her. And it's like, you know, SD, you know, 2001 circa video camera yeah. footage. And it's Cameron filming all this stuff. Does it get up and, and walk to the dance floor like C-3PO? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I highly recommend it. It's probably on YouTube. 
Um, but it's like Tom at the on the press tour. Tom was saying it was like the best movie he's ever done. At this point, I think he might have had sh- a shaved head because he filmed those scenes in Minority Report at the end. Um, and I don't know. It's just so real. Yeah. Like he leaves voicemails. Cameron plays a voicemail that Tom left for Cameron, and Cameron films it. Cameron. Cameron, answer the fucking phone, man. Cameron, Cameron, Cameron. Hey, man, we did it. It's over. Are you asleep, Cameron? How can you be asleep? Are you dreaming? When did the lucid dream begin? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Bye, brother. And it's just so, it's so real. Mm. Like hearing Tom make jokes to another human being, you don't (laughs) don't see that stuff. No, you don't. And then like at the end of the voicemail, it's hilarious. Like there's like silence and he just like jokes about a line in the movie. He's like, Cameron, he's like, Cameron or Cameron. When did the lucid dream begin? When did it begin, Cameron? (laughs) Like, and then he hangs up. It's just like, you know, that you don't get past the curtain on these actors. And it was from a different era in his life that is just gone, you know, potentially forever. I have so many lines that I wrote down from their first night or their only night, really, in real life. Um, But I guess overall, before I maybe we can go through our notes, but overall, I found this movie, this is, I don't know what number of viewing this is, but I found it a lot more depressing than I did before. Mm. Like how his life essentially... Like it, it hit harder this time that he really in real life only spent that one night with her and that was it. Like, and he got in a car accident and he never really recovered yeah. and decided to freeze himself. And that, that just like felt very real this time around. Um, which is, there was a, there, which is sad, right? Because yeah, I, 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 I know what you're saying. I, I mean, he could have made that contract with Ellie weeks months years before mm-hmm. uh, or did he did, did, did it show that he actually signed the contract before uh agreeing he just deciding he was going to commit suicide um i think well he signed the contract before there before he committed suicide Bef- i think he that was like the force the, as to why He's yeah like, well i have nothing left and i saw this Man. ad so i might as well just do it um but there was a there's a couple different threads in the movie that are of like Tom's various women that he's been with, like the secret, like um, the person who like tells him he has an important moment in this board meeting. There's illusions that he's hooked up with her um, because at the party, someone introduces like two women together, and one of them says like, "Oh yeah, I'm sure we have a lot in common." They look at each other like slowly oh, and then turn around. Yeah, I didn't get um, that. So there's so there's like a bunch of illusions to like the various women he's been with. Um, but yeah, when he sees her and he's like speechless, just an amazing shot. And I I really would love to see onset footage because historically Cameron Crowe was known for around this era of like playing music on set to like loosen up the actor. So he was always playing his favorite tracks from albums mm-hmm. and probably music that eventually led to the score and the, the actual movie. Just to evoke emotion and yeah, stuff. Like a regu- yeah, like a regular yeah. kind of moment. Um, that When he goes to her apartment and... He's looking at her photos and he's just scanning her life. Like, God, what a, what a beautiful capture when he's like, he, like he's, he's seeing her life in photos and he just spits out, I like your life. Like what a great moment where he just is, is still enamored with her and he just shares that with her as he's looking at the photos. Yeah. It's, it's uh beautiful. He's just seeing a side of somebody that he probably is not even familiar with because of the way he grew up, but he mm-hmm. probably, you know, somewhere deep down, he desires that because he doesn't have his parents anymore. He doesn't have friends that he can share with. Like his best friend is just the writer that he's paying. So, you know, he's got a role to sort of play. And maybe he just feels like, you know, he can't be real with people. And mm-hmm. just in those two seconds, he's, he's staring at the front of her refrigerator. This is real. And that's something he's he could probably never even equate to or or live and she's telling a story she's she's going on about something and it's just like the most random joke and that's the photo i post on our slack of him just like realizing that he's like almost like kind of just infatuated slash in love with her based on one night ever been married no never accept any of your twelve thousand proposals 
2008. No. And you moved to New York to dance, paint, act, and the alarms. <laughs> right. Do you want to hear Jeff Buckley or Vicky Carr? Jeff Buckley or Vicky Carr. Both simultaneously. Everyone said, "Don't go to New York." But I just think good things will happen if you're a good person with a good attitude. Don't you think? You think I'm naive? Uh, no. I really don't. I dug her completely. Somehow, I'd found the last semi-guileless girl in New York City. I have to get to sleep. Truthfully, I'm also working mornings as a dental assistant. Boy, am I going to the wrong dentist. Boy, am I going to the wrong dentist. <laughs> like, he like, doesn't even think it just comes out. Um, there's another like Cameron Crowe moment where they're doing drawings of each other. Oh, I remember that. that moment. Yeah. And she does like this hilarious caricature of Tom Cruise and he's like kind of nervous. And you'll see in a second why he like reveals his drawing. And it's like this beautiful Jesus. masterwork, just brief sketch of her. And he's so embarrassed by it. What a what an amazing real moment between the two of I them. I know. And the way Penelope, her reaction of her looking at the picture and him, <laughs> who like this man who drew this picture of her. And it's probably the yeah. most exquisite thing she's ever seen. And that's the way he sees her. You could see everything yeah. in her eyes. Like her eyes are like vibrating and glassy and mm -hmm. just so expressive, but, but not trying to reveal the hand in front of her that she's just, God, man, if I know, could, if I could gold. jump in, uh, Please. the callback of that image later, when he's starting to lose his mind, and he breaks into her apartment, goes through her uh, armoire, whatever, and finds it, and it's Cameron. That was a great moment in the movie because, yeah. like, the whole yeah. time, scary. It kind of it kind of hinges on, like, that's a real thing he did. So if it's Cameron, he's definitely insane. Of course, it turns out not really to be the case, but I feel like the movie in the third act leads you to several several different possible answers before going to Ellie. Which I really liked. And um, I just wanted to touch on something Dale said. Every single, uh, to your point, drink, uh, every single performance might be the best performance I've ever seen from the actor in the role, with maybe the exception of Kurt Russell. Like, mm. this might be Cameron Diaz's best acting performance that I've ever seen. Yeah, it was great. This this is definitely Jason Lee's best acting performance that I've ever seen. Mm. And I mean, besides The Last Samurai, this might be Tom's best drama acting performance. Mm. Yeah, everyone was phenomenal in it. Um, it reminds me of how like actors talk about Ryan Johnson, how they worked on like um, Knives Out and they said it was like the best experience possible. And, you know, he said like this great environment for them. Mm -hmm. Just reminds me of how Cameron Crowe was during that like four picture period in, mm. you know, the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, there's just so many his drawing i wrote down she has so many great quotes about like every passing minute is another chance to turn it all around and then his reaction to that line is just even more he's just even more stunned with her that he's yeah. like experiencing this <laughs> night with her um and their kiss even though he mentions that he's a pleasure delayer she like went in for the kiss it's just just an amazing scene like that however long that scene was 15 20 minutes yeah it was it's it just was perfect it was a it's perfect, perfect perfect amount of time spent you know not a, don't edit it down any more than that it was just an amazing piece of editing mm -hmm. in that to fit that into the film and yeah and then to go from that to, to go from that to the bat ass crazy next scene where he decides to get in that car and it's even reference i thought it was so great that he referenced when he's talking to penelope in a moment of uh you know things have kind of calmed down or something, and he goes, I lost you when I got in that car. And, mm -hmm. you know, even though, even if there was no accident, even if it was just, you know, an angry tirade from somebody that he was kind of messing around with and he never took seriously, and she just dropped him back off at the car, I think the damage was done. 
Mm-hmm. And I think he definitely realized that whether his, whether he, you know, got drove off a bridge, physically disfigured, or he were to drop off fine, I think he would, I think he realized immediately that he did lose her when, when he got into that car mm-hmm. for whatever game she was playing. Yeah. And, and they reference that. I think it's the, like a, a big chunk of the movie is, you know, the decisions you make in, in seemingly minuscule moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and he even says that at the end, the scene that you just talked about where he sees, quote, Penelope again at the end of the movie. Um, I think Tom, it was Tom's line where he says, the little things, there's nothing bigger. And it, you know, mm-hmm. it, it set his whole life off track. Um, it finally caught up to him. But uh, some other, so like he gets in that car accident and he's disfigured. And at that point, when I first saw this movie, I was like, and probably your reaction too, like, man, what the hell is going on here? Like, where do we even go from there? He's he's effed up in the face. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, like the the sexiest man alive is now the ugliest man in movies, <laughs> and it totally uh, finally, you know, you start to finally piece together that, you know, he's wearing this the the most absurd, disturbing mask in in jail, talking to Kurt Russell, and you finally get a like a little sliver of okay, there's at least a, one piece of the puzzle that he's wearing this awful mask, mm-hmm. and I know there was probably there's probably a ton of symbolism stuff that I didn't even pick up on when the doctor's explaining to him about this prosthetic face and how it could help him and stuff like that. There was probably it was probably just dripping with you know. All kinds of otherworldly, uh, you know, symbolism of philosophical stuff that I didn't get, but it's probably true. It's like the worst mask ever. Literally the worst mask ever. It like, literally is. What were is. those doctors thinking? Yeah, it absolutely <laughs> is. And I actually wrote down just the the meeting itself. What kind of, I, I mean, maybe I'm not rich, secret of my success, plastic surgeon Michael J. Fox, but what kind of like meetings are you holding with doctors in these extravagant offices and you're going <sighs> to tell them how to do their job? Like yeah. us schlubs, we're, we're wheeled into the, into, in a gurney with a, with a, in a, in a hospital room <laughs> shared with somebody else going through some other ailment and they're going to tell you how they're going to, what they're going to do to you, to your life and you're just going to take it. You know what I mean? He gets, uh, he's, he's sat before a board of surgeons, maybe because of the money he has. I don't know, but in, in the most well-appointed office, it's not, there's no medical grade, anything in this office. How, um, so after his accident, he kind of goes to see her again. I think by this point it's been like many months and he'd been in a coma and he's kind of available to walk around and he goes to her dance studio in this is almost like the really opposite end of the spectrum of their date night. Now it's like incredibly awkward. He's just a mess. Mm-hmm. And what's even sadder is he like replays their date, you know, the the first time they <laughs> met as a kind of like a test to having like a fun interplay between them. And you can even see she's like, you know, she feels uncomfortable seeing him there because it was just one night in her life at this point and he doesn't really get that it feels like last night to him but to her you know this is like mm-hmm. earlier in the year i saw you for one night it's over and especially because you could tell that he was seriously working up enough courage to finally go see her after like getting over his uh you know his conscious self-consciousness of going out in public for one and seeing this mm-hmm. woman that he fell in love with overnight and he's finally Built up, built up enough self confidence to go out in public, and he's going to go see her, like expecting a different kind of reaction or something. And he's going to eat crow and and kind of talk his way through it. And that's what he has to do. About that nightclub scene where she agrees to go out with him, but Brian shows up as well as kind of like her helper, and he's immediately put off that Brian is there. He thought there was going to be like a date, <laughs> yeah. and then he gets drunk at this nightclub. Oh my god, what a what a string of scenes that is. It was such a string of scenes and it was yet like, it was so sweet when the bartender <laughs> said, uh, you know, it, the, he, Tom was so rude to him, but the bartender saw through it enough that he was just trying to get over his uh, self-confidence his issues again. And he like becomes best friends and the bartender gives him free drinks and stuff like that. Yeah. I thought it was very sweet. Do shots together like 10 times. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> The guy looked like Meatloaf's third cousin. Like he looked like he could have been a stunt double in one of those movies. Yeah, completely. So in, in the film, if we're going chronologically, Tom, you know, he, he they he's drunk. They all leave together and Tom kind of gets the vibe that Penelope doesn't want to see him. 
and Penelope goes home. Brian then leaves. They have this big fight. Um, and then Tom runs after them. And he has these like visions of them meeting up together that you're not really sure is real. And I kind of on this viewing, I'd view it as his thoughts, like his nightmare is like, oh, yeah, they're same. probably hooking up. Um, oh, yeah. And he passes out in the street and then wakes up and Penelope is there and she wants to give him a second chance and everything works in Tom's favor from this point on. Um, there was a There was a great line, I think she picks him up. And she says, like, my life's going to change. I'm going to, we're going to do this together. And I think he tries to apologize in this scene. Um, but she says this really nice line. Oh, you guys she said, up. I wish you hadn't gotten in the car with that girl. Sophia, I. Your eyes apologize better. Your eyes apologize better. Mm. and she like stops him before saying anything I thought that was yeah. really great writing I I knew I knew immediately when he woke up the next morning on the curb that there was uh, something afoot something because you could mm. tell the vanilla sky at that point like everything seemed a little too digital a little too beautiful there was these beautiful clouds in the sky but you know this bright be- yellow sun was still filling the sky and stuff you could always tell from that point forward that Something was going crazy because it was always a character in the scene when it when it needed to be. It was always there. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I really noticed it this time around where it was almost like a total one eighty for Penelope to even give him a chance at that point. Yeah, like me having known, like, okay, this is really obvious now. It doesn't make any sense for her to come back. Yes, exactly. Uh, especially from you know how how just awkward it was the night before. Mm-hmm. It was so completely different, and she was just. Uh, you know, especially after what he was experiencing with her, envisioning her and Brian and stuff like that. And then the next morning, she's just like ready to, uh, you know, do this. She's ready to mm-hmm. do it in some fashion. I I wore my headphones this time around and I, there's actually like a weird digital audio skipping noise when that's right before that scene starts. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. Um. So then they, they, they live their life here. They're together and he his doctors come back and tell him they found this miracle surgery from surgeon from berlin that is now capable of fixing your face it's like, like a huge experiment but if you're willing let's do it and that eventually leads to him coming home from the surgery wearing kind of like a prosthesis that she penelope slowly pulls off his face and i thought this was just another movie magic scene where i mean it's just it's a testament to their acting skills where she's just pulling off his mask but they're both like on the verge of tears about what this means for their relationship like is his face gonna be back mm-hmm. is it not and oh, god mm-hmm. i don't know how many takes they did of that but god bless god bless him and she did such a good job of you know remaining loyal and in love but she also like and you believe that but then she also said you know i still did like your old face you know so pretty, mm-hmm. i'd be pretty happy if that worked out too but you know there's <laughs> right. just like it bone it'd be like icing on the cake and uh, that's where eventually the tech issues start to happen in his dream and with the subplot of uh, Kurt Russell, where Kurt is still trying to, like, figure out why he he killed uh, Penelope. Um, so Tom has, like, these crazy weird visions that he's, like, having sex with Penelope, but then it turns into Cameron. So he thinks that she, like, broke into the house because she's somehow alive and still a psycho. Um, mm-hmm. And then eventually we lead to him yelling for tech support. Kurt Russell helps him escape and go to Ellie to figure out if they're behind this big conspiracy and um, leads to the roof scene in the end and the big reveal. But yeah, when I first saw it, it, it like blew me away that like this was the plot of the movie. Totally. Uh, I did. Uh, I'm just looking at my notes again and uh, you were t- talking about Penelope taking the mask off. I did say Penelope's crying eyes, taking the mask off and then the Bob Dylan song, the harmonica mm. starts in God, the, like the timing of that when the, the the mask starts peeling off and stuff incredible mm-hmm. but then it yeah and then it starts leading into Kurt helping him realize what Ellie was and and the tech support guy miraculously for everybody for the audience especially for me for Dale Andrews when this was made he explains everything 
And it's so, yes, whatever you want to believe, this is exactly what the information you need to believe. Uh, and I think what everything that he went went through, and especially Penelope's line, what, like, every minute that passes another chance to turn things around, mm-hmm. that was all experienced to him, and that's what helped him make the decision, say, you know what? My my face may be jacked from for life, but I think I want to take another shot at this thing called life, and you know I want to wake up now, and it's incredible because it's I think he said it's been 150 years or something, and it's like the sci-fi just kind of come comes ramming through the front door, and bam, this is a sci-fi movie. It's been 150 years. Uh, you know, David Ames believable enough that he's got the kind of money to do this kind of thing. And I knew something was going to be up because obviously Benny the dog was a huge character in the movie and the guy, the owner of Benny the dog who, you know, uh, resuscitated him and he owns half of Arizona and that's kind of stuff. I knew that was all going to be a play, uh, a play in all this, but I had no idea that it was just going to be the way it turned out, which is amazing because he had the wherewithal to just, I guess, you know, when you're mid dream, I guess that's what you have to do to get some help from the uh, the real world. It's just start screaming mm-hmm. tech support as long as loud as you can, and it's it just happened to work out. And it's it was also like, you know, maybe that was his way of kind of um, living out a happier life than what he ultimately had because of the disfiguring accident and stuff. So he chose this total recall like life beyond death. Mm-hmm. Um. But it just, you know, that's just not how he ultimately wanted it to play out. And it's also a worst case scenario because things just went south. You know, it may have taken 150 years, but he didn't feel that. It felt like one long dream to him. But, you know, this is Mm -hmm. worst case scenario when you go under. Like, it's like sleep paralysis, but forever. And uh, luckily, he had a, a tech support way of getting out of it, right? I mean, if not it could have just gotten worse and worse for his lifeless frozen body. Like, yeah. I think I just thought about that and how awful that could, that could be. Like, there's nobody you can scream to. You're, I mean, you're technically, you're dead or, or almost dead. Right. Your, your brain waves are maybe functioning in the liquid nitrogen you're soaking in and you're living this life that is not the life that you paid exuberant amount of money to and he, they even said like when uh, what's her face was talking about how like you'll be totally safe in this containment yeah, unit, yeah, earthquakes yeah. fire but like what about if this company runs out of money like <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> there's a chance that you won't wake up because maybe this place loses funding an earthquake maybe moves the building and you just roll into the ocean right like you're dead like there's you know there is a big chance this might fail because that's that's literally what happens right to a lesser degree you startups go out of business uh, you know, mm-hmm. and your subscription services or things you might make investments in and now, uh, game services, they just go belly up and you know what? You're, you're, you're SOL. This is that to like the realest degree possible, right? Uh, mm-hmm. you know, if they go out of money and you know, they, they close up shop, what is there? There's, is there going to be a golden parachute of another company to come bail yeah. out, uh, you know, and they have a basement full of bodies, not that are happening. just slowly going to thaw because I can't pay the electric bill anymore. <laughs> the uh, To give more credit to Jason Lee, I wrote down um, where Tom gets out of jail on bail for having assaulted Cameron Diaz's character who was posing as Penelope, et cetera, et cetera. And Brian like freaks out on him. I think Tom asks Brian... Or there was one, it might have been earlier in the movie. I think it might have been earlier, but he asked Brian, he's like, did you tell Julie Gianni that I was her, she was my F buddy? Yeah. Because that's allegedly what set off Cameron Diaz's character. Yes. Go psycho and kill him. And he's like, no, no. And then his eyes like dart to the left as soon as he says that. Oh my God. (laughs) I I wrote down the guilt that Jason Lee must be harboring and to get called out on it. 
Like, but but even then, it almost felt like he didn't even give a sh- give an ass because he's like, "Have you been harboring this shit for all this time?" <laughs> like, of course he has. You just ruined he ruined his life by sharing that tidbit of information, you jackhole. Right? Yeah. God. And Ugh. get it, we get it. You were super drunk, and you kept letting everybody know that. But still, mm-hmm. I mean, that is, and that was. That's something very real that somebody could harbor in a situation like this. It's uh, yeah. Why would you yell that in such a mean way? Like, have you been harboring this? Like, because your face is all <laughs> fucked up, and like, how? What? Who would harbor such a thing when their life is destroyed? It was such a strange thing for him to say. Yeah, my God, Vanilla Sky. Mm. There's a lot of deleted scenes that I haven't watched in years, but um, where like Tom somehow gets one of the security guards' gun in the alley building um michael shannon was the security guard what a you know interesting piece of yeah. cameo appearance kept calling him um, face <laughs> yeah yeah uh but tom I, I don't remember what happens in that scene but tom gets a gun and like ran like runs around the le building asking for tech support um and i think there's some more kurt russell scenes on the rooftop or downstairs about how he like realizes he's a fake or like a, you mm-hmm. know, a computer program um, there you have it. I uh, mm. I also wrote down, how about that montage that tech support gives him when he really did overdose and Brian threw him a three-day memorial and oh, Sophia God. mourns his real death like mm. in the house. Oh, my God. My Three-day memorial. I almost like teared up just at the thought of a friend of mine putting on a three-day memorial like that. Yeah. How crazy is that? And Sophia, you could just see it in her face. Like, you know, she genuinely spent one of the greatest nights of her life and uh yeah it was very very sad just because Mm -hmm. she saw so much potential in him to be more and even he said you know when he would they were together i loved that he's like you know starting tomorrow yeah i'm gonna go i'm gonna tell the board and i'm getting serious about this like he wanted to change in that moment he met her he wanted to be more than just you know bruce wayne Mm -hmm. and uh you know he wanted to be like Bruce Wayne at, in, the, in the third act of Batman Begins. <laughs> you know, turn it around and, and rest control back from the board yeah. and start taking things seriously. Great. It, wow. was a, it was a fantastic movie. I mean, it was an all-timer for me. I'm so glad that this podcast, you know, exists because who knows if I would for have now. ever watched it. For now. <laughs> for Jonesy. For now. Uh, yeah, it's probably, it's effing over. Who cares? But... <laughs> You know, um, I hope that your friends on you're 70 DMs, mm. you're, The two of you must have been DMing something fierce. No. During any oh kind God. of 70 millimeter talk. No oh way. my God. I, I'm, I'm going to export the DMs in a CSV as soon as I get back to my computer. <laughs> that is a, that is a major that breach of trust. And as a Slack admin, <laughs> you, you cannot betray that trust. <laughs> Just WTF is this. Do you believe this? Are we still recording Sunday? Is this still happening? Uh, I know what they say. Next episode, uh, real quick, I think we should give a special shout out to probably our number one friend of the show, Mm. Tara. You know, I said, I missed her Mm. birthday celebration on IG, but I told her to make it up to where we're going to record this weekend, this very weekend recording. Mm -hmm. So shout out to Tara. Tara, happy belated. um, And absolutely, thank you for listening to this. Uh, We love you here and we're always uh, DMing about Tara and, ha- and her fanship means so very much to us here at Interview with the Podcast Vampire. I know that because I exported your DMs earlier. I already read them, you and Gen Z. Right, so Tara, Tara just Slim let us know it. Our, uh, and, and after we stop recording this, we will continue on with our shaky friendship because we'll just <laughs> pretend like everything's okay, but reality, exporting GM, DMs is something that's not to be joked about or something to be done. <laughs> Next episode, another one for the books, Minority Report. I mean, can we just say the streak, the Tom streak? God, it it might never be matched by another human being. No. As long as we Absolutely. live. No. I feel like, you know, this the beginnings of this podcast were, uh, you know, some of the uh, the bigger plateaus like out in Santa Fe, Mesa Verde or something. And now we're just at the top, at the top of the plateau, and it's just going for miles. Los Alamos, like it's just smooth from here on out because it doesn't go down anytime soon i mean just a little real quick just to remind just write it down minority report next my god Mm. Uh, say it again can you believe we're about to talk about this episode uh folks at home might not hear it for a month 
but I mean, this is real. This is about to go down. This is about to go down. We'll see if we can make it happen before the Royal Rumble main event happens. Oh we're not. This isn't considered in the streak. I think we're still going to do this episode, maybe. But uh, right, might cut uh, it short. Is it? We might cut it short. Austin Powers in gold member. We got to get. We, we at least have to watch. We, uh, watch enough of it to talk about it for maybe a bonus. <laughs> we can probably watch a YouTube montage of Austin <laughs> Powers in gold member. All nine and then seconds. we go. Then we go to. Is everyone sitting down? The Last Samurai. Jesus Christ. Uh, and then we go right from there. He does collateral. Mm. God, that hair. Uh, another next film, War of the Worlds. He pairs up again with Steven Spielberg. And uh, proving his love for Mustangs, he drives a 1966 Shelby GT350 in that movie. I would, to, be, to be frank, I was lukewarm on... Uh, uh, War of the Worlds when I first saw it. I have no idea what I think about it now. But mm-hmm. right after that, Mission Impossible 3, J.J. Abrams. God. Mm. The J.J. verse. The great. It's a great. God, that movie. One of the greatest Tom openings of a film in cinema history. You want about talking about Tom and relationships and being in love and, and, lo- and loving on screen? <sighs> Unbelievable. Tara. Tara, what you say talk you? about it? What say you? Can we somehow get some kind of email system set up so that Tara is the only person that can contact us and we read her thoughts yeah. for every episode? Right. We'll set up the firewall so only Tara can get it through. Everything else gets bounced back. Idiots. I think Tara should send us a video recording or uh, an audio recording of her thoughts on each time. Really? We Jonesy. call it Ta- okay. Tara's Corner. You know, she gets <laughs> she gets 90 seconds on the clock to give her opinion of a Tom Cruise movie. Do you remember when... Do you, do you remember when Jonesy would produce Hold on. We call it Terabytes. Terabytes. Are you Tara ready bites. for this? Terabytes. Yeah, yeah, I have no say, just so you know, listeners, and anything that goes on here. Now we have to do the, it. In the PK Nation. Now we have to <laughs> so, do it, Jonesy. Uh, I don't know what the when numbers are. When he said Terabytes, Jonesy was pointing his finger at us <laughs> as if he just won the lottery with this idea. I cracked the code. we nailed it. Terabytes, <laughs> like what is it a play on? Parabytes? Is that a, is that like a, a word? Te- like a terabyte? Isn't that like a computer thing? A ter- oh, a, I get. Okay. Maybe it's a tetrabyte. Terabyte. <laughs> God, this is all going to be in the episode. Can you imagine Jonesy at work being tech support for somebody? <laughs> somebody comes to Jonesy for a computer problem. <laughs> like a scene from I, Law and Order when they walk in his office and he's pouring a cup of coffee from the dirty <laughs> coffee machine. The dirty, like, un- the glass that's, like, fogged and stained. <laughs> we got a problem. Okay. It's always a printer problem, too. <laughs> yeah. All right. We'll see. He's getting... <laughs> yeah, like, uh, uh, oh, yeah. I got a problem. Oh, uh, yeah. I got, uh, you know, who knows what's going on. All I right. got half... <laughs> that's too much. <laughs> TMI. Okay. We got ended. You got to bleep that we'll out. See everybody. You got to bleep that we'll part out. <laughs> We'll see everybody next month for Minari Report. Goodbye. Love you. Love you.